The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 103 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. We've got a fun episode for you today. But before we get into this week's conversation, I want to thank our reviewers. This week, we had two five-star reviews on iTunes. Uh, the usernames are Southern Rain and DBShell51. Thank you both so much for all of your kind words. It really helps get the word out there. Uh, with these reviews. We very much appreciate it. Uh, This week in the conversation, my guest is an icon in the Latter-day Saint podcasting world. Richie Stedman has been the host of the Cultural Hall podcast for many years. He's also a radio personality and so much fun. And I just loved getting to sit down with him. I actually was a guest on his show a few months back. You can go to their archives and check that out. But uh, I just love Richie. He's so open and so candid, and it was fun getting to sit down with him. So we got that coming up, as well as this week in my Latter-day Life. I'll tell you about the 45 longest minutes in the life of a four-year-old. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today in the Latter-day Live studio, you know, we just had Pioneer Day not that long ago, and yeah. I have a pioneer in the studio <laughs> oh, today. Oh, look at this. Look at the, this. One of the godfathers, I would say, of the Latter-day Saint podcasting movement. He's been doing this so much longer than I have. Richie Stedman, welcome yeah. to the show. Thanks. Thanks for letting me be here. Uh, your studio chairs are way softer than mine. I can... <laughs> I hope we have three hours here because we'll do this. We'll do this podcast, and then I'll take a nap. This is great. It's it's much better than the dungeon we used to record in. We we had a, a foldable table. I think people thought they were being interrogated when we started the show. Well, it was the one light that you had yeah. directly over the center of the table, uh, that really... and the one right in their eyes yeah, that yeah, was yeah. you know blinding them. Tell me your life story. So Richie is the host of the Cultural Hall podcast, uh, which. But for point of reference, we're just over 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. You're on three. We just published episode 335. Uh, but don't let that fool you. We've actually done many more than that. For a long time, we we have been doing two episodes a week, but we decided not to number uh, our news episodes. Yeah. And then because people started coming at us being like, well, we've been doing this longer. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start numbering these episodes <laughs> so people get it. But we started April 6th of 2011. So Wow. Yeah. So you have been doing for eight years, you've yeah. been doing podcasts. I didn't even know there were po- Did we have computers in 2011? Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah. Well, and the internet sounded like this. Bong. <laughs> <laughs> you see kids, a modem. So Richie has a great history also just generally in broadcasting, worked for X96 for many years, now works on the Lisa Valentine Clark show. And so we'll talk about all that, but we got to go way back. Okay. Because I don't know, 
I really don't know your history. Like, uh, I know a little bit of it, uh, you know, but I'd love to hear kind of where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Tell us uh, about the early days. Born and raised Salt Lake City, my friend. Uh, lived within a five mile radius of each other growing up. Um, we moved a lot, I think, like five times as a kid. But uh, but it was always, always within, within a five mile yeah, radius. Yeah, yeah. We, my, my, my folks knew what part of Salt Lake County. So we were suburbs, yeah. suburb dwelling folks. They knew what kind of. Uh, of a uh, house they wanted to live in and sort of the right area. So we just sort of moved around yeah. different middle schools, different high schools. But so were you raised in Latter-day Saint family? I, so that, that is where it gets a little tricky and or interesting. So parents were married until I was like 12 or 13. Uh, dad remains strong in the church. Uh, and then mom at about 17, she had records removed from the church mm. and, uh, and to this day, I think appreciates what religion has done for me, but does not uh, appreciate the permeating culture of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the state of Utah. Do you guys have, I, I know families where it's it's hobby and almost sport to sit and talk when, when someone's not an active member or someone, someone is. And then there are other families where uh, it is, which I have some family members like this, we will bring up. Any topic right. other than the church. How is it with you and your mom? Uh, so if there's something that's really pressing, like uh, there's something that's in the news that she's like, hey, well, how do you feel about that? Surely oh. you're changing your mind because of that. She'll she'll talk with me about okay. those topics a little bit. But by and large, like she even, when we're at family gatherings, the majority of my family is still um, active members of yeah. the church. Um and we'd go to do the blessing, she'll be like, wow, you guys can go ahead and do your thing. I bless all my food at the Costco at the first of the year, so I get it taken care of. <laughs> so, which is... Bless the entire Costco. Yeah. Bless all the food here that it may nourish and strengthen us. Yeah. So, yeah. She, she's not she's not ridiculous, but you also just know you have to tread lightly if it's yeah, religious things. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but you, I guess you would... I'm picking up, you would consider yourself, yes, raised... Latter-day Saint. Mm-hmm. So after parents got divorced, you know, you do the every other weekend with dad kind of thing. We always went to church with him. Uh, I was essentially the oldest at home with two younger brothers at the point that they were divorced. And I would go to church every week and try really hard to get my younger brothers to come with me, mm. even though it would just be the three of us if I could get everyone to go. Uh, but I, f- for me, I was there every week if I wasn't going to like friends from high school's mission farewells or, you know, those kind of things. I think that's really impressive because... Because I know a lot of youth who, with both parents begging them, you're going to go, you need to go, I want you there, right. still struggle. So the fact that you were finding your own way there is just awesome. Uh, there was a sense of belonging. And uh, if I'm being completely candid, like um, like uh, habit, yeah, you know, just like, yeah, this is what, what you I do. do. This is what I do. Yeah, yeah. That's great. When you were a teenager, what were you into? What was your... Who who was Richie as a teenager? Uh, so it depends on what uh, what part of teenagedom you're talking yeah. about. Early early teenage Richie um, hung out with um, like the questionable crowd. Right, I went along for the ride of what that would be like. That sort of yeah. counter church culture. I never did the drugs. I never drank the alcohol. But I did you I, ran with that crowd. Yeah, I, I would hang with that crowd. Yeah. Uh, then halfway through teenagedom, since I coined that phrase. I like it. Um, I I recognized that probably this was not a thing I wanted to continue to do, 
But the the funny thing for me, what motivated that is my older brother, who I have a tremendous amount of respect and, and sort of adoration for, he um, had been in student government. And I wanted to be in student government, and mm. I knew that there was not a chance in the world that I could make it from where I was to uh, being in student government if I continued to do what I did. So I, between the summer of my sophomore and junior year, sort of made the conscious decision to hang around with a better crowd, people that encouraged me to do better things. Oh, nice. And then uh, was able to actually be in student government and, and kind of surround myself in that. So that was the second half of my high school career was choir theater and student government yeah are yeah. you a singer i didn't know oh, that yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah oh that's nice i mean not a good singer but i'll, I'll meet <laughs> but you're you. willing to do it that's i'll meet awesome. you any song you want that's pretty that's pretty great so you get done with high school where does that take you um so with the leadership stuff i had an opportunity to either go to utah state or to southern utah university the offer uh scholarship wise to southern utah was a little greater um but I remember, man, stressing out that just that being that tremendously stressful time, right? Like up until then, you'd live the program, and then you get done with high school, and it's like, what? What? Yeah, you now? do anything you want, sure. Um, and so it really felt right to go to Southern Utah University, which is a small town in the southern part of the state, obviously. Um, and, and and an amazing school. My my son went to SUU. Oh, really? Yeah, and it just we were so impressed. One of the prettiest campuses. Yeah. Right in the middle of a very cool town. Yep. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There is nothing around Cedar City. It's it's really great parents, if you're listening to this, or kids as well. Like, if you really want to get involved in the school part of it, like, it is the place to go. Because there's not a lot of... It's not a big city, so you can't get in a lot of, like, big city trouble. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff going on for the kids on the campus. And if you um, love theater, yeah. they've got a miniature version of the globe. Yes. With, that is unbelievable and the utah shakespearean festival which is uh, a tony award-winning program i mean so so much art and culture down there that i i really eventually found my my wings there but when i first went down i was like well now i'm college and i gotta be serious (laughs) so i remember my first semester i took a bunch of um like communications and business classes and i was like well this sucks this will not be how my life is. And so that second semester, before I went on my mission, uh, that second semester, it was like tap class and social ballroom and, you know, um, theater craft construction, you know, yeah. where I'm making like bows and arrows for plays and stuff like that. I can be an adult, but still have fun. Right. And I'm marking credits off and working yeah. towards a degree. It was great. College is awesome. Yeah. So much fun. So then you leave on a mission? Yeah. Where'd you go on your mission? Cleveland, Ohio. I love Cleveland. Yeah. What a uh, great city. I don't want to brag to people that are listening to this, but uh, the urban legend is that uh, the missionaries that got called to the Ohio-Cleveland mission were determined in the pre-existence by Joseph Smith. Don't ask me for quotes or citations. Never <laughs> been able to find it, but... I just want you to know that uh, the mission opened in 79. It closed in 18. So there was, uh, um, did I say 89? Yeah, 89. So there was only a 29 short year uh, where there were a few exclusive. How was your mission experience? Awesome. Yeah. So good. Um, there are things that I think I wish I could do differently, yeah. for sure. But uh, Don't I you not... think all missionaries live that a little yeah. bit? Oh, I mean, life, right? We're yeah. going to get done at the end of life and be like, I wish I would have done that differently. Yeah. Uh, had 19 companions in the time that I served. 19 companions. Oh my companions. gosh. Yeah. So, you know, 
this sort of you'll see this as a theme actually throughout my life with the you just sort of do what you're supposed to do because that's what you do. Yeah. Um I would be paired up with a lot of missionaries who I don't think really wanted to be there so much. Um but because the mission president had the the faith and trust that I would just continue to do what we were supposed to be doing, that I would get paired up with a lot of people either as a last ditch effort, as a, this person really needs to be inspired, as a, you know, whatever kind of thing. Mm. Um, because I really, I really did feel like, all right, here's the deal. We have to be out from 930 in the morning till 930 at night. You give me that time and the other 12 hours are yours. And mm. I don't care what you do. Wow. Um, I cared, obviously. obviously but it yeah, was, no, I know what you mean. Um, so the cultural hall, which we'll get into in a little bit, mm-hmm. I, I, just being friends, following you on on social media and the show and everything else, you seem to have a very natural knack for reaching out to people, bridging gaps, finding the uncomfortable and making them comfortable, sure. I think is a gift that you have. Thank you. And it sounds like that was the case on your mission. Maybe people yeah. who wouldn't be comfortable with another companion, you were the companion who could reach them. I mean, I really try, and I feel like owning this too much seems like a little bit boastful, but that to me is uh, one of the most important things. Um, when you see how much people fight online and in person, you know, nowadays even, yeah, to be, to be able to bridge a gap between different folks of people. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that um, I think one of one of the ways that that comes or has really been apparent for me with my life is kind of going back to my mom, right? Is I have to recognize that there are different perspectives to all of these things or that people have different experiences and you don't really know. Um, you always have that, that thought of like, Oh man, if I could just walk a mile in their shoes, I really understand it. But like, if you don't ask people about their shoes, you don't ask them about the mile that, you know, the, what that would look like, what they walk, you'll have no idea. Cause guess mm. what you're not going to do? Hey, Sean, can I borrow your shoes? I'd like to go walk a mile. I'm not likely going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're just listening. That's amazing. So you you finish up your mission in Cleveland. Yeah. You did such a good job. They said, we're shutting it down. Yeah, done. After Richie. I mean, what are we going to do after this point? (laughs) I will will say this just quickly because I think this is, is, is again, a boastful thing, but uh, impactful that, you know, may come back later as we're talking. Um, One of the things that I loved about the the, um, Cleveland, the Ohio Cleveland mission is that when you would get into the mission, you would go to the School of the Prophets. Mm. That was They would get you from the airport, and they'd take you directly to Kirtland and directly to the top of the Newell wow. K. Whitney store, and you go right in there. And, and what you do is you essentially... Um, I just got chills as I'm talking about this. That this is, is awesome. Um, that is a pretty special thing. I mean, that is amazing. I've never heard that. Yeah, they leave you in the room, and they, they say, talk to God. Tell him what you want from your mission. Tell him, tell him what you're hoping to get. Tell him, you know, the experiences that you'd like to have. Tell him. I have never heard of that. If you're, if you're homesick, if you're, you know what, just, just have a conversation with God. And so to be able to be there without a tour guide and all that stuff is pretty cool. But to be able to have this kind of, um, this historic and spiritual opportunity. So you do that, right? And you don't really kind of grasp it, Mm. um, when you're first there, because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be living alone, and what is my companion going to be like? And I don't. You're young, yeah, young. So then, two years later, the last thing that you do before they take you to the airport and send you away is they take you back. Um, man, I'm getting chills again. Uh, they take you back to the um, the Newell K. Whitney store in the School of the Prophets, and 
you kneel in uh, a communion with God. I would say prayer, but it, it really felt like communicating. But you were like, that's prayer, but it's it was it felt no, different. I can tell why, how you're talking. It's a higher level. It's a different yeah. And thing. it was like, tell them about what you did. Tell mm. them about who you taught. Tell them about how you, you know, how you felt like you grew, the people that you met. Tell them what you, you know, you want from the next step. And, you know, it's interesting um, because even, even as early as, you know, having that opportunity there in the School of Prophets to, to share that, like it, it started to dawn on me some of the things that I wish I could have done better. But it was also interesting because there were some elders that were in the room that, I mean, you never like to like label people, right? There's like bad missionaries, but there are certainly reputations that get of course. Um, spread throughout missions. And, and you would hear them just sobbing, sobbing, you know, for, for missed chances or missed opportunities. And mm. it, I mean, it was powerful. Yeah. A powerful uh, experience, probably the likes that I've never had beyond Which that. sounds like kind of a microcosm of what we expect life to be at right. the end of life. You know, right. I mean, you look back and this is really powerful. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So then I get home and I go back to Southern Utah University. Yeah. Did you know what you wanted to study at that point? Um, when I was on uh, my mission, again, with the 19 Companions, there was one who he and I got along really well. In fact, I just spoke with him yesterday. Um, we we would <laughs> when we were walking because we had we had miles, right? You could only drive so many miles on your car. You probably didn't get this in Chile, but I didn't have a car. Yeah, ever, but you're only allowed to drive so many. And in some of these areas, it's like okay, so I can drive to a neighborhood and then drive home, and that's how many miles we have today. So we would be walking these country roads of Ohio, and and. Uh, it happened to be that I was his trainer, and w- as we were walking down the roads, we'd start to get this like pattern of our feet, like we'd start getting yeah. there. We're like, "Thus can teach his plan, uh, uh, perform his work. Thus teach his plan, uh, uh, perform his work, and direct his right." So he's memorizing the discussions, and these are countless amounts of hours that we spent just walking, but like singing and dancing. I'm sure to the local Ohio and people, they're like, okay, we thought those Mormons were crazy, but this is, a, you know, this <laughs> is level. next level stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he and I got along so well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, we were talking one time, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get into radio when I get back. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what that means necessarily, but yeah, maybe I'll do that. Got back to SUU, they had a radio program. And in that opportunity, we got the chance to be on the air um, that first semester, right? You sign up for the class, you get a radio show, you know, it's it's available for Cedar City uh, citizens, so not very, you know, 20 mile uh, radius, but um, it was myself, uh, Richie T, and then Ashley D was my, uh, was my radio partner. And Richie T comes from your middle name. Yeah, Thomas. I'm Thomas. named after John yeah. Boyon, the Waltons. His, yes. his name is Richard Thomas. That's <laughs> Richard who I'm named Thomas. after. Um, That's great. So we did a show about dating mm. and dating tips, dating experiences. Both of us were single, had these just horrific stories. And, and I remember one time uh, sitting at the, at the subway there in Cedar City and hearing the people in the table next to us um, recounting what we had talked about the night before on the radio. And I just was like, that is awesome. I'm hooked. <laughs> and uh, and know, I'm famous. Yeah, I mean, there's some level of that, right? Right, right. Where it's like, they're talking about the thing that we were, and that's me. That's me that they're... Uh, and I 
just sort of been bit with a bug ever since. Fell in love with it. Yeah. So did you graduate from SEU? I did. Uh, majored in theater, minored in dance. Um, in dance? I didn't yeah. know this about you, Richie. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Shuffle what ball of... change, my friend. Shuffle ball change. What, <laughs> what kind of dance did you uh, It was a focus in modern dance. I was a choreographer of the year in 2003. What? Yeah. I had no idea this was part of the Richie yeah. T experience. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. So that's really cool. Yeah, do you there, still dance? Uh, I do. Um, not anything like that. Yeah, I, not anything like that. That was a good forty pounds ago, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and beyond that, I mean, it's just sort of it. it you, you don't have those um, like modern dance experiences really outside of academia unless right. you're pursuing it right. professionally. Um, Unless, you know, you're at a singles dance, you say, everybody step aside, form a circle. Sure, sure, sure. I, I got to go. I yeah. got to make this happen. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and that's the one avenue because I, you know, DJ weddings and parties and those yeah. things on the side that if I do get the dancing bug that I'm able to kind of scratch that or whatever. Are you tempted when you play What a Feeling <laughs> to get out there and just flash dance the heck out of the place? Um in the vein of Robert Mueller, I just would like to say I wish that you refer to the report for that. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So you finish you finish with uh, your degree. Where did that take you? So um, in the off seasons of college, the summer and then the Christmas um, seasons, I would intern. Intern for a couple of radio stations in Salt Lake. And one of them was X96. Um and the morning show, I had made a pretty good impression on them. The Christmas of 2004, I was set to graduate. I got a call from Bill Allred, one of the hosts, who called up and said, Hey, you know what? We would really like you to be this position for us. The position isn't created yet. We don't know when it is. We don't know what it's going to pay. But we really think it would be great if you would do this. And I thought, oh, man, that, that sounds great. Yeah, I would love to be able to do that. And so at that point, I called the registrar at the college and I was like, hey, is it too late to graduate? And they're like, well, you won't get announcements. So I'm like, I don't care. Will I get a robe? And they're like, probably not. And I'm like, doesn't matter. I graduated. So, Peace yeah, out. Yeah, done. So um, I started interning there the 1st of May and then was hired the 5th of July of, 20, of 2005 and was there from 2005 till February of this year. Yeah, that's amazing. You spent yeah. 14 years. Yeah. Were you with the morning show the entire time? The entire time. And you were, what was your job on the morning show? Uh, I started just as kind of an intern and then a, 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 like a phone screener, phone greeter, and then um, kind of worked myself up into the executive producer role for the show. The executive producer. Yeah, it sounds The flashy, X96 morning show. Yeah. And that show is big. I mean, yeah. that is that is a staple in the Utah. Yeah. Well, and beyond Utah, truthfully, oh, really? um, they've featured in Rolling Stone about a dozen years back as one of the like five thriving uh, morning shows in the country. They'd been nominated for several awards, and and uh, I I truly could have not asked for a better place to learn about radio, about um, like listeners, about um, interaction. I want to get into the new job in a bit, but somewhere in your story, and I don't know your history this way, uh, but somewhere in here you get married. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What year, what year did you get married? Well, uh, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I like that response. Uh, That's the perfect response. Uh, I get married in 2010. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. it was it was later. Okay. Yeah. So I had been out of... 
school for about five years. I dated a bunch, um, both after college and during college, um, but met my now ex-wife um, on Facebook. So we went on our first date. We climbed to the top of Mount Timpanogos, and then we got nice. married about a year later. Yeah. How long were you married? I was married... So technically, I was married um, almost six years, like five years and 11 months or something like and that. And did she have a son? Is she, that right? Yeah, she, well, does have a son. Right, she yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, that's better phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing Until happened. Until I left and then... Yes. <laughs> and then it all went south. Um, and you've stayed close with the son. Yeah, as much as I can. He's a 21-year-old kid, so staying close with a 21-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how old your son is off the yeah. top of my head. Yeah, my son. I've I've got a twenty-one-year-old son, right? Almost twenty-one. So you know they've yeah, got a tricky. lot of other things that they're that they're doing, and so yeah. to try and you usually know. free food is yeah, yeah, yeah. a good gateway to. Yeah. That's how uh, we get it. Did you know? I mean, you were married six years. Did right. you know early on that this wasn't working? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, in a Just, big way. Yeah, in a big. I'm going to deny it and try and push through and consistently do right. the thing that I'm supposed to do, hoping that it will get better. Or Talk about the pressure of the Latter-day Saint culture on staying married. So here's the deal. Oddly enough, I felt 0% pressure from, wow. from the church. That's great to hear. Honestly and genuinely, 0% from the church. 100,000% from myself. Okay. From like the, hey, you chose to do this. This is the thing that you committed mm. to. You knew that it was going to be difficult. You didn't know how difficult, but you know, um, you know that that these things take hard work. If there was, if there was any pressure religiously, it was sort of self-imposed. Where, like, when I prayed to know if I should be married and feel like I received a witness from God, yeah, this is who you should marry, and you should marry her. That. Um, like it was like, well, and I'm obviously not doing something because God said this would work. Mm. So I've got to, so I did that. But I don't, I don't assign that to culture or, you know. That's internal. Religious, yeah. I find that all just sort of relationship with God kind of thing. And also character. I mean, that's your character. You're right. a man of your word. You start something. I mean, there's a lot of that. Right. Which I think some of that comes from our culture and some of it's just be a man. Right. Take right, care right, of right, things. Right, right, right. There's also a lot of that that's really harmful <laughs> for self-esteem and self-worth. For sure there is. Yeah, it's tricky. Did uh, th- So did did she know that this was not working also? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you guys were sort of like, hey, we should, we should end this. Oh, no. No, no, no. We were both like, you end it. All right, you <laughs> end it then. Well, I'm not going to be the one that ends this. When did it get exist- vitriolic? Did it get Oh, my ugly? gosh. It was, di- it was a disaster. Oh it my was gosh, a disaster. Uh, after about six months, it was a disaster, and we pushed through for another four and a half years. You know, four, but four and a half years is a long time. I mean, yeah. the, the adjustment going from being a missionary to being regular guy is right. big, and that's after two years. You've sure. got four and a half years of being married. What's that first Sunday like at a, a single adult ward? Um, well, uh, it's, it's bizarre. Um, the funniest thing about my first Sunday at a singles ward was um, we had not – I separated before we got divorced. And at the point that I left and we were separated, I knew that it was over. So I was like, all right, we're not divorced yet, but this sucker's done. Yeah. Um, even though in my heart of hearts I wanted it to not be that way, I just was like, yeah, this is done. So that first Sunday I went to uh, a mid-singles ward and my ex-wife's 
boss was speaking and saw me there and saw me there without her. And so he pulled her aside like the next day and at work and was like, Hey, is this, I saw your husband at this thing. And yeah, so she got super embarrassed about that, but it was, you know, it, it was walking into it feeling like I am not these people, um, felt super out of place. Like, you know, these are people that have never been here. They don't know my experience. Um, on some level, and I don't know that I've completely worked through all of it, but on some level, it's like, all right, where were you at, God? Where was this? Are you able, you said you haven't worked through all of it, but are you able to look back and see some of it? Are you able to see some of the reasoning or do you think that's just going to sure, be the so, next some, life? some of the reasoning, uh, some of that is Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, some of that really has just been like, like the understanding of how agency works. Okay. Yeah. Because on some level, like I still did want it, but you can't want you can't ever want something bad enough for two people, right? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was a thing that try as I might, like God has to be a respecter of her agency. I I want to shift gears here because I really want to hear about the cultural hall. Okay, how did the cultural hall start? I'm um, one of the hosts. Uh, his name's Kerry Jackson. He has a podcast called The Geek Show. Uh, it's essentially all things kind of geek culture related. And I was like, man, that's cool. Only I hate that stuff. Not really, but I don't have the yeah. passion that he had for it. And um, so in uh, 2009, I was like, oh, man, what would I do it on? And I'm like, oh, man, I love Mormon stuff. And it's okay. Calm down, everyone. It used to be Mormon stuff in 2009. <laughs> we're speaking we, we, of the time. Yeah, yeah, the of language the time, of that time. Of the time. Um, the podcasts were very new in 2009. Yeah, very, very new. Um, and I knew that, uh, like, you know, I tossed around names and it's like Jello and Kara. It's like all the cliche hacky stuff. Sure. I won't mention some of the other ones because they're actually podcasts that exist now <laughs> that I was like, that's hack. That's hack. I don't care for that. Not throwing shade, but I am. Um, but I was like, you know, the, the name I want is the cultural hall. Uh, originally it was myself and a girl by the name of Lauren, um, that we decided we would do the cultural hall and it's sort of evolved to where it is today, but her and I, who was your first guest? Uh, our first guest, our first episode, we didn't do, uh, anyone. It was just her and I kind of like, I'm not sure how this is going to go, but you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and then our second guest or our second, uh, episode, but first guest is Kirby Hayborn. Mm. And um, if you've never listened to The Cultural Hall, you can find it all the places you get podcasts and at theculturalhall.com. Um, but we always ask um, three questions at the end of episodes. Yeah. We ask them to you, you know, what's your calling? If you could pick a calling. And then what is your favorite part of your faith? And at the end of that second episode, Kirby, for most people's estimates who have at least heard it, gives the best <laughs> Favorite part of his faith that, you know, here we are 330 odd episodes later that still like he just talks about the bread and the sacrament and Jesus in a way that I've never heard explained from anyone else. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. And then from there, you know, we got more and more people into being able to talk to him. Um, tell us what Steve Solberg said was the favorite part of his faith. (laughs) 
<laughs> Steve Silver has been a guest on both of our shows. Yeah. One of our favorite guys, very funny comedian. You asked him, what is your favorite part of your faith? So the question is, and to his credit, it was on the phone. Uh, but I asked him, what's your favorite part of your faith? To which he heard, what's your favorite part of your face? And uh, I have to admit, in, my, in, in the questioning... Uh, as he answered, he's like, oh, I definitely say my eyes, I think he said. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> it took me a long time to register that he had misheard me. And I was like, what do eyes have to do with the gospel? Like how he sees life or whatever? Yeah. And uh, and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And, you know, a lot of people roasted him. And it was, again, another just fun moment uh, to be able to hear that. But. He told me about that when he came here. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, I'm going to listen very carefully. And he told me what had happened. (laughs) Oh, that is hilarious. Uh, People, especially when I first started, now it's a little bit different. Uh, You know, we're over 100 episodes in and... We're a little bit more. Congratulations, by the way. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, got... I am. I am doing my best to have joy for others who find success. That's something I struggle with. So, like when the when various podcasts, I sort of alluded to that earlier. Like when people come on, it's like, what are they doing? I, you know. Uh, <laughs> Do you feel that way? Do you feel like a little? And it's so dumb because yeah. there is so much room for everyone. Oh my gosh! But yes, a, but a little, and I Do don't really? know why. Yeah. I don't know why. Even even as you as you address being one of the early early ones in the space, like for some reason, I always it it takes me a second, and I go, "Breathe, pal. It's just fine." Yeah. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. You're I, especially knowing that it's a little bit hard to say, I appreciate it, and yeah. I'm glad you're here. I yeah. mean, that's thank cool. You. Um, people asked me early on because you know here I'm going to have a show where I'm going to interview people, and it's church related and everything yeah. else. People ask me a lot early on, so what's the difference between Latter-day Lives and the Cultural Hall? What I tell people, and I'd love for you to correct me on this because this is how I kind of answer it, is that the Cultural Hall is a look at all things Latter-day Saint culture. Uh And that might include having a non-member on talking about their relationship to the church. It may have a a disaffected member, someone who's left talking about it, which again goes back to that building bridges. We are a safe faith place, Latter-day Lives. We have active members of the church who are going to come on, testify of why the church is great. If you're at a low point, maybe it's not the best time to come on, come back when when we're at a higher point. Right. But you will explore all parts of the faith. Uh, you had a great interview with the guy who uh, did the, the Cold podcast. Right, Dave Colley. Dave Colley. See, and I wouldn't have him on because he's not a member, he's not right. an active member of the church. Right. Am I right in kind of explaining the difference so, or no? So the only thing that I would um, that I would take umbrage, good word, uh, big word, with what you say is when you when we talk about places that are safe, I think within uh, Latter Day Saint culture, we go, oh man, I can't I can't listen or I can't I can't um, participate or support something that isn't a safe thing. One of the things that I really feel um, very strongly about with the cultural hall is I'm not going to let someone come on and and bag about the church and be like, the church is terrible and, you know, I want nothing to do with them. Um, but, you know, I'm a believer. I go to church. I have the the past that I have where I come at it as these people's stories 
are valuable. And mm. I'm going to safely guide you through hearing these stories, from hearing these point of views, and from being able to really understand these other people. I think ours is, um, I think it, it pushes the envelope. I think it's edgy. But the thing that I really ask as people, as people um, engage with the cultural hall is trust me that I'm not going to put you in a place that makes you um, question your faith. It may ask you to question, you know, are there things that I can be doing more or better or differently that will help me to be more inclusive, but I'm never going to be like, hey, yeah, why would you even do this? Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it is that you are more willing to push the envelope than I am. And I think it's a place where, and I think it's, and, and I said that Latter-day Lives is a safe place. What I mean by that is that you're going, we are, you know, you're not your father's podcast. Right. I am my father's podcast. Right, right. Like we're, we're you know, you're, you're not going to have to think too much maybe. Right. I don't know. We have people who go through a lot of trials. Uh, but like I said, we, we decided early on, it's going to be active members of the church sure. coming on, talking sure. about being an active member of the church and whatever else they do in their life. Whereas you will have people who come on to talk about the church right. as well. Right. We've had a lot of uh, the same guests. I find it fascinating. This kind of goes back to my, um, like the almost kind of competitive nature. Like if I have someone or if I'm going to book someone, I'll see who, where else they've gone and listen to it before okay. I have I have them on or... Like, there's a lot of these authors who will kind of do tours, right? They've got the book that's coming out, and we all sort of grab at them. Yeah. Uh, I do this thing where, you know, so I'll interview, and I haven't listened, and they'll interview, and they haven't listened or even know that I'm going to do it. And then I'll listen, and I'll be like, man, they got that. That was a good good question they got there. Or like I'll I'll listen, I'll be like, no, 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 I got got the better way. I got the better way around that. It's... It's fascinating. You've had some big names on. You had Brandon Flowers on. Yeah. That uh, was a big deal. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan came on. You had Jim Gaffigan on? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh my gosh. That what one. was the spin on that with the church? Uh, he's very Catholic. Yeah? Yeah. So you're and, just talking about religion in general. Yeah. He was also coming to town, and I leveraged my day job just a little bit to be able to get that interview. Do you have a favorite episode or a, a oh, few? Yeah, right. you, you don't right. have a favorite episode. Nobody does. Right. But do you have a couple that are super memorable? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that is the question that I hate. So we I got hate that. that question. What do you say? I say that there are a few that impacted me <laughs> more. Yeah. Well, thank you, President. Uh, there are a few that were more impactful sure, on the sure. show and in my life. I, I try not to put it under the personal. Sure. I look at how my audience responds, and there are a few that were game changers. Well, so that's interesting to me because, like, the ones that I'm like, yeah, oh, man, I got to the point, and we we broke boundaries, and we, oh, my gosh. Nothing. Crickets, man. Yeah. You know, we give out the contact us any which way you want on any social media and via email, which, by the way, is contact at the cultural hall dot com. We, we do all that. Uh, and nothing. Right. Yeah. And these things that I'm like, groundbreaking, man, put me in the podcast yeah. hall of fame. And then I do one where I'm like, geez, that was whatever. I mean, you can only put so much polish on one of those. Yep. And uh, then it's like 30 emails and it's I like, oh, OK, all right. What am I missing or am I so out of touch that 
Uh, so that all that being talked around, I think one of the ones for me, um, fairly early on, I want to say it was episode five or six, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to Peter Breinholt. Yeah. And about 25% of the reason why I started the Cultural Hall uh, was I wanted to meet these, again, air quotes, famous Mormon people. And it's okay. Mormon was okay back then. Uh <laughs> And I, I really, I really wanted to, and 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 for whatever reason in my mind, Peter Breinholt was sort of this sacred golden cow, and he was amazing. Yeah, he did a couple songs. You can hear him. We really crudely record them there in the studio. And he does the outro music for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the articles of news intro, and that was from that original episode. We we're like, yeah. hey, do a little thing, and he's like, all right, I'm on the guitar. I'm amazing. And, uh, and so we get done with that. I mean, he was great. It was fun to be able to kind of have, you know, my sort of teenage idol sitting before me and be able to talk faith because we shared the same, at least faith, not necessarily faith experiences. But then it was like, a, okay, now what? Like 25% of the reason why I started this thing has <laughs> just been finished. Yeah. So, so now what? And and then to be honest with you, like the ones that I um, that I come away with learning something or that help me in my journey, whether it's my faith journey or just like my journey, you know, passing through life. Um, I think of talk about uh, the Lisa Valentine Clark show. Yeah, well, you technically finally... renamed now just the Lisa show. The Lisa show. Yeah, I did not know that. So, uh, yeah, and and I think in my heart of hearts, I think there's a little bit of hope that it will one day be the Lisa and Richie show. Yeah. Uh, it is on Sirius XM channel 143. Um, it is available via podcast as well. Uh, by searching the Lisa show wherever you would get those kind of things. Um, the way I describe it to folks is it is um, Pinterest on the radio. Love it. So uh, we talk about things like um, today we talked about uh, intermittent fasting and we talked about the value of teaching your kids Shakespeare. And yeah. we talked about the amount of sleep that you should get on a night and how that affects more than just your ability to get things done. So it's it's a lot of like, here's tips to be a better husband, a better yeah. wife, a better family person, great places you should go on vacation. It's um, There is nothing else like it in the on-air form. There are plenty of podcasts like it, yeah. but they're... Very lifestyle. Yeah, very lifestyle. And Magazine Lisa kind of is amazing. Yep. She's been a dear friend of mine for Have you many had her years. on Latter-day Lives? We've not. You, We've not. You should absolutely do that. Yeah, we. she and I actually talked about it, uh, but we just haven't had her on yet. But yeah. she is uh, an amazing person. Big change from X96 to Lisa. Yep. You had to shave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Down at BYU. Well, yeah, because I'm a, I'm a technical employee of BYU, um, so I have to adhere to the dress standards as far as all that goes. Um, but additionally, and I thought this was a joke while they were going through the uh, hiring processes, they're like, well, you'll have to receive an ecclesiastical endorsement, which for people who don't know, it, it essentially you have to, if you're, if you're not a member of the church, you have to meet with someone that will endorse you that you're adhering to things. If you are a member of the church, it essentially means that you sign on for the honor code and everything that that means. And, 
I was like, okay, that's funny, guys. I yeah. appreciate what we're talking about. But this is a job. I'm, I'm not, not 22. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. I'm also yeah. not a teenager or early right. 20s, so right. please. Um, and they're like, no, 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 we're being serious. And and um, and that was, that was, you know, weird. Yeah. Uh, if you have time to indulge me in a quick story about it. Please do. I... Uh, as I had done through the hiring process, it was like nothing, nothing, nothing. Now we need you to do everything immediately because we. So I needed to get that ecclesiastical endorsement done. My bishop, uh, super busy guy. I'm a super busy guy with other things that I've got going on. We found the only time that we could meet was at a Zupa's in Sugar House, which is a suburb of Salt Lake. And uh, we sit there. And he's like, well, you know what? Uh, we actually haven't met for a while. Do you mind if I make this a temple recommend interview? And we're sitting in the booth at Zupa's. And I'm like, I got nothing to hide. Let's talk about it. And so we're chatting back and forth. And he's asking me all the questions. You know, do you support? Do you affiliate with any of the groups? Yeah. All this stuff. And we get done. And he's like, well, you know, I'm uh, I'm proud to say that, uh, you know, you get receive my ecclesiastical endorsement and that you could receive a temple recommend. And the woman in the table next to us leans over to me and is like, Boy, we are so glad you passed that interview. We were had our fingers <laughs> crossed <laughs> multiple times, thinking should we should we excuse ourselves? We shouldn't be here because I feel like maybe this is intrusive. But he is doing it in oh, a booth at Zupa's. Oh, that's so funny! Um, that's awesome. We we start every morning before we do the show. I mean, you started with a prayer here. We don't do that for the cultural hall, but we start the the show. Yeah, uh, the Lisa show with a prayer before awesome. we go on the air, and it's it's a unique experience. I love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. One more topic. Okay, bring it. We know you're single. No, I'm engaged, my friend. However, yeah. that's what I was getting at. <laughs> so this is all coming full circle. Yes, talk about that. Uh, it's amazing. Um, I had I had to rush to the I'm single but I'm I'm engaged thing because I had that conversation where it's like well but I'm technically single no you're not you yeah, are engaged, engaged to be married and it's yeah. like no but I mean but technically single okay you want to be but really single you want to no, be really engaged single? that was how that conversation went so yeah. you just got engaged a few weeks ago a couple of weeks back uh, I asked her to marry me and she said are you kidding me it was very important for me that. Um, that the engagement um, question the, or the proposal be a surprise. And so the week leading up, we went up to my mom has um, a home in the, the San Juan Islands of Washington, Pacific Northwest. Um, we we went up there and in the week preceding, she's like, I don't think I should go. If you don't know that you want to marry me, I think maybe we should just stop seeing each other and you can have that week to, you know, to go and, and uh, just, you know, we can have some separation time and make that a little easier and, and at that point, I had already talked to her dad, and I had purchased the ring, and <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. It had taken me a long time. In fact, uh, I think yesterday, or maybe today, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I don't know this, but I'm celebrating three years of our first date. Wow. Uh, either yesterday, today, or the day before. Um, Which in our culture is about 45 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, right? it's like, like dog I, years. We're essentially exactly. celebrating our 25th anniversary yes, exactly. like you guys are. You- <laughs> Uh, been dating a long time, but um, I had really struggled coming out of such a horrible first marital experience, thinking that that was something that I wanted to do again, protecting my heart, healing all the you know the things that you say, but but really meaning it. And I just begged her. I was like, "Listen, here's the deal. Just give me a little bit more time. I am working through this, and I feel like uh, you know, I feel like I'm making it somewhere. Don't you feel like we're making progress?" And so when um, 
we were on this hike. That's where I asked her was kind of a, down by the ocean. And we come to this beautiful place. And I'm like, okay, here is where it is. I hadn't predetermined it, but I just was like, I had the ring. We're going to do it. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I was ready to, you know, just ask her. And, and she's like, okay, well, let's keep going. Let's keep hiking. And I was like, oh, but, you know, shouldn't we just sit here and tell each other how much we love each other? Can we do that for a minute? And, and she was like, what? Are you going to propose to me? And like pats my pockets down. Ring was in the backpack, but I was like, oh, she has no idea this that is, is coming. That is perfect. <laughs> Went around to another place. I said, do you want something to eat? She's looking over the ocean and I grabbed something out and she realized that I wasn't like fussing with the bag and she turns around i'm down on one knee and i was like you know will you marry me i didn't i didn't do the big speech beforehand because i feel like the speech, speech tips your hand yeah 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 you know i i needed to be the ultimate surprise Boom. and she looks at me and everyone in their retelling will always be like and and she took what seemed like forever to be able to answer really legitimately probably a minute and a half of just like staring at me and and i'm like okay, well, these seashells are starting to dig into my knee a little bit, and <laughs> this is uncomfortable, and, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rush this moment or ruin this moment. That was the other thing that I'd sort of made a promise is yeah. I, have a, I have a tendency to kind of humorously, or humorously, <laughs> mostly humorlessly, <laughs> uh, humorously deflect out of serious situations. Right. I was like, I just want to be serious. I want to be, you know, present. Yeah, in the moment. Yeah. yeah, all the things. So I just was like... So after about 90 seconds, I'm like, well, are, are, are we doing this? And she's like, yes. But yeah, engaged. Well, Woo-hoo. congratulations. Thank so you, happy for you. Your journey is just cool. And I appreciate you coming in and being so open about yeah. all this stuff. It's great. If people want to find you, uh, you're also a DJ, which we didn't even talk about. Oh, I, know. I know. What is it? BestDJinUtah.com. That's is that right. It? Oh, the marketing so, is working. Listen yes, to this. Yes, I know those things. Uh, so yeah, if you're best looking DJ for a in wedding Utah. DJ, an event DJ. Yep, anything that you need, like stuff like that. Yeah, um, and then the culturalhall.com is where you can find any of that stuff. If you want to find me at all online, it's. Um, uh, at Richie T. Stedman, R I C H I E T. Stedman. Um, yeah. I, that, that's the website. That's all the socials at the Cultural Hall for anything with the Cultural Hall. Yeah. And uh, if you are looking to record a podcast, you have a new studio yeah. that uh, you know people could go record with you. Yeah. It's called The Home Steadio because the last name is Stedman. I don't the know. Home Steadio. I like I'm obnoxious. It. I have a friend on Facebook who relentlessly heckles me. He's like, Hey, cool. Could you be any more pretentious? Could you be any, you know, and I appreciate him, but I also feel like, okay. Yeah. But you're good at giving, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're part of two podcast groups. You're always good to give advice to people and to help out. You're a giving guy. Right. This has been a great conversation. We don't have three really cool questions at the end of our show. We have one very broad question that we ask all of our guests. And, uh, that question is Richie, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Um, being a member of the church, I'm going to go with the immediate answer that came to my mind. That's the best one. Um, I think that there are multiple levels, and I could expand, blah. But I think being a member of the church um, means to me um, that old primary song. Um, and I can't think of the title of it right now, but I can only think of a of, of portion of the lyrics, the the ones that go, I know who I am. I know God's plan. 
I'll follow him in faith. And then proceeds to, I believe in the Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll honor his name. But really, um, that I know... Uh, that I know who I am, and I know that God has a plan, and I, I, I love that when um, other people, both members of the church and people that are no longer members of the church or have never been a member of the church or would seek to destroy the church, whenever they may, you know, try to come between me and God, um that that they can't because I know who I am and I know God's plan. Mm. And so I'll follow him in faith. Gosh, I love that, Richie. It's awesome. And uh, coming full circle from the, the beginning of the conversation, there would probably not be a Latter-day Lives without the Aww. cultural hall. I'm just going to acknowledge that right now because I became a fan and I had a slightly different take. I didn't want to, you know, mimic it. Sure. But certainly a lot of the inspiration for what Latter-day Lives is came from the cultural hall. You, when I was on your show, I think you referred to it as the father of the Latter-day Lives. So <laughs> I'll take that and the fact that we have an association I'm very grateful for. Well, thank he, you. He is a professional DJ. He is a radio producer. He is a podcast host. And he is now engaged to be married. Woo-hoo. And is a great and faithful member of the church. Richie, thanks for sharing your Latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. My special thanks to Richie for coming on the show. What an amazing guy Richie is. Just such a good guy. And we actually talked for an hour and a half. (laughs) So I had to really kind of trim it back. And it was hard to know what to cut because... He's just so candid, so open, and a wonderful guy. Thank you, Richie. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, I was on an airplane, as I often am. I was flying from Florida back to Utah. I'd been in Florida on some business, and this particular flight was taking me from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, to Atlanta, and then I was connecting to come back to Salt Lake. It's a 45-minute flight, and we were on a Not a tiny airplane, but, you know, one of the smaller airplanes as it's such a short flight. And I was seated right up at the very front, and I got on pretty early and got to see people getting on the plane. And as they got on one by one, I kind of enjoy people watching sometimes. And here came a father with a little kid who I'm guessing he was about four years old or so. And I remember when I was a little kid just how exciting flying was. And this kid came on the plane with a big smile and all kinds of energy. And as he got past the first seat, he looked behind him and all of a sudden looked up at his father with shock and horror. And he said, Dad, they don't have screens on this plane. And the dad smiled and everybody kind of cracked up because it sounded like this was the end of his world. Of course, what he was talking about was the little built-in television screens that they have in the backs of the seats. And the father looked at the kid and smiled and said, son, it's a very short flight. I think we'll be okay. And I saw that the father was holding an iPad in his hand. So I know the father had 
some kind of entertainment for the kid, but the kid said, no, dad, why, why don't they have the screens on the plane? And the father continued to reassure the son, it's going to be okay. It's a very short flight. And the kid said, I want to be on a plane with the screens though, dad. And his mood, suddenly he was just inconsolable as they marched down to take their seats. And I just had to chuckle and all of us sitting up toward the front looked at each other and kind of laughed at this poor kid. And it's funny because I remember back uh, way back when I was a kid, I still remember some of it, that our entertainment on a plane consisted of books. Maybe it was a coloring book or a puzzle book or just a book. And if we weren't looking at some form of book, our other entertainment was called Stare Out the Window. That was it. And now there are so many forms of entertainment. And this kid was so sweet. He just cracked me up. But I think that that's a lot the same as life. I mean, we get used to a certain thing being there. We get used to our own comforts. We get used to life being a certain way, and we have an expectation. And then when it isn't there, doesn't it just feel like the end of the world? And I wonder how trivial that must look to those who have gone on before us, and how God must look down at us as his children and just smile, knowing that life really is a short ride. It is the equivalent of a 45-minute quick flight. And I, in my own life, tend to panic or worry about little things, little things that are such conveniences. And I'm a lot like that little kid. But we have to know it's a 45-minute flight, and we're all going to make it through it if we focus on the right things and focus on the good things we have. And I'm pretty sure that once he got to Atlanta, maybe he was connecting to somewhere else. And most of the longer flights out of Atlanta, they've got those screens. And I think that kid probably ended up being all right. But in the moment, aren't we just all that little kid? I'm thankful for my own little trials and to be able to look back and see how silly some of these things that I was worried about seem. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We appreciate it as always. If you think of someone who may enjoy the show, if you could share it with them, we always appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me, I can be reached at Sean at LatterdayLives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at LatterdayLives.com. We are on social media on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Latter-day Lives and you'll find us. So until next week, when we've got another episode for you, Please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.